Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Brad. How are you, Brad? Good, thanks, mate. Evening, everyone. Evening, indeed. Yeah, look, it's been a um, it's been a good week for City. Um, one win, one loss, which you know, not not necessarily a great set of results, but it did secure us survival in the championship for another season with that win over Cardiff, um, which we'll start off with. Um, good win. Um, two goals inside the first. 12 minutes, really, um, Coyle and uh, Sayed Manesh on the goal uh, on the score sheet, which is sort of, you know, if you could pick two players in that starting 11 that you'd want a goal from, um, they're probably the first two that you'd think of. Um, great to get a goal on the board for Sayed Manesh and Coyle on his return from um, pretty lengthy layoff getting on the score sheet as well. Yeah, you're not wrong. And, and getting them early, um, that's not what we normally do. Um, so basically putting... Well, especially too early um, is pretty unusual uh, for us. But most importantly, mate, the thing that I liked was um, it was at home. Yeah. I, I we, we were talking last week about the fact that I think it was Shotter had uh, suggested in his press conference that um, maybe we'll wear the away shirt to, to try and break the uh, home voodoo. <laughs> and we were sort of joking about it, thinking, oh, yeah, look, it'd be funny if we do that. And then... Sure enough, we've we've turned up in the uh, the black away shirt and got two goals inside twelve minutes. It's it's remarkable. Well, it's almost as good as borrowing Newcastle's strip at St James's Park all those years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look, you, you do what you've got to do. Um, I, I can't remember how many home losses it's been, but you, you get to the point where you think, well, we've definitely got no advantage at home. So if changing to that strip works, I'm happy for them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, ironically, of course, losing to Millwall in the uh, in the home kit away from home. So yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, it's just, maybe it's just got to ditch that kit. <laughs> um, I think it's time, mate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But look, you know, um, um, as you said, I, I guess the, the early goals was a real positive. And especially I thought um, Saeed Manesh on, I think it's his second start in a row. Maybe it was his third start um, looking really positive. Um, and that goal just seemed to typify the sort of player that he is. Um, he's not that sort of, he's not the eaves. He's not going to sort of outmuscle his defender and, and sort of, you know, get, get in the box and, and get on the end of a header necessarily. Um, but that sort of, that play in behind, that that through ball, which was was really well well passed, um, you know, sort of nicks it past the keeper and just taps it into an empty net. Just it feels like that's the sort of goal that we'll see a lot of from him if he, if he gets the chance. Yeah, I think so too. It was it was well handled, um, and that's probably the thing that, you, especially if you look in recent games, where we've we haven't looked great, but we've we've got a chance in front of goal, and we just don't look like we're handling them as well. Um, and then you see, you know, the opposition. Well, we'll get to Millwall in a minute, but almost easily walk the ball into their own box and just happened to get the foot on the right place, whereas we don't seem to have that luck. So I, I thought it was a yeah. really well-handled goal. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's right. And, and even the second as well, um, to come only a couple of minutes later, as you said, it's very rare to get um, goals so early in the match, especially two of them, um, to get Coyle on the score sheet as well. Uh, it, it was a nice kind of callback to last season where he was able to chip in a bit more than he has this season. But um, to see him on the score sheet just reminds us that, you know, he's still there and, it is going to be an interesting off-season to see what happens with a lot of those players because you get the sense that there could be a pretty significant overhaul of the playing squad. Um, so it doesn't hurt these guys' chances to sort of pop up with with the odd goal and it was great to see Coyle on the score sheet. And look, it, it was interesting because, you know, the Middlesbrough game was obviously a great game for us, although statistically you could argue either way, but I, the result was great. The fact that he, he brought Coyle straight in and just basically slotted him straight into that that right-hand side wing-back position, whatever you want to call it, um, just shows, I think, what the coach thinks of him as well or the manager thinks of him as well because I always like the fact that if you've got Honeyman and Smallwood in those central roles, that having Coyle running down that side is great. I mean, that was a well-worked goal, really well-worked yeah. goal. Yeah, um, no, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought it was a really well worked goal, um, and we and we just played really, really well in the game as well. It was um, it was good to see, especially at two 0 up, that the pressure came off a little bit. Yes, we let them back into the game late on with that goal to Flint, and it was a bit of a nervy last ten minutes or so. 
Um, but I thought on the whole, everyone everyone looked really composed and really solid, which was a far cry from some of the recent home performances. As you said, I think it's I think it's six losses in a row before this one. Um, and, you know, we'd had the, the two-pound games before this one against Luton and against Barnsley that we'd lost. Um, and then we managed to come out with the win in this one and actually look really good. So you sort of think in the broader context as well of if you've got a bit of an inflated crowd, you've got more people in there to see the team, to have a performance like this is a, is a real positive. Yeah, and it also sort of backs up the fact that uh, you can look into the Middlesbrough game any which way you like, but the fact that the next opportunity we had against you know, a reasonable team, let's say. Um, we pounced early and effectively sucker punched them pretty quickly again and made it almost beyond doubt. Um, and although, you know, like we'll allude to that the late goal makes things a bit nervous, but, you know, they they were on the back foot pretty much from that second goal onwards and made changes and, you know, didn't look themselves until pretty much the last 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. And... You know, look, with with that draw for Barnsley in their game it, it, and, and it mathematically securing us safety, I've got to say that there's something about Cardiff. It's, you know, you, you sort of cast your mind back. There's, was it the 06, 07 season, um, I think, where we beat them to, to relegate Leeds to keep us up. We had the 2-2 draw under Bruce to secure automatic promotion against them. Um, two seasons ago, they were the ones to beat us to, to, to confirm um, relegation to League One. Um, and now this one, we, we, we've beaten them to secure um, survival in the championship. So there's something about playing Cardiff that seems to be, and look, you could even extend that and say it's something about Welsh teams because, of course, there was that Swansea game in um, that first uh, Bruce Premier League season as well to give us um, survival. So um, it's an interesting sort of coincidence that it seems to be Cardiff that we keep coming up against in these sort of games that secure us um, a, a particular status. So um, good to get the, the positive result in this one, I guess. Definitely. And I mean, most of us have had several heart attacks due to Cardiff games. Um, mind you, the 0607 getting leads down, that was great. That's still probably oh, the highlight yeah. of that bunch. But um, no, you're onto something, mate. I used to think that our, our, you know, we used to rise to the occasion whenever we played Liverpool. Um, yeah. But uh, Cardiff have had that sort of, I don't know what you call it, mocker on us a little bit in recent times. So it was good to actually get one over them. Yeah, I maintain that Liverpool's only managed to win a Premier League title because we've been out of the Premier League. So I think we've got to get back there and uh, start to to dance some of that optimism that they have. Oh, of course. Uh, and, you know, we found we yeah. found Salah for them. Yeah, exactly and, right. And, and we gave them <laughs> Robertson. So realistically, mate, we are a big part of Liverpool's success. I still can't believe that we almost signed him from Basel. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he I, said, know. I, I can sort of just imagine at the time, um, getting a bit sidetracked here, but I can just imagine at the time um, we'd signed Ghetto, Fadi, Elmo. You bring in Salah, you go, oh, you know, all these Egyptian blokes, are they actually any good? And you get yeah. Salah in and it's like, you know, turns into the best player in the world, but um, wouldn't yeah. have been too bad. <laughs> Well, at least um, I forgot his name all of a sudden. I don't know why, but uh, Suarez. At least Suarez was never damaging against us, mate. We yeah, had that's in, right. Uh, in our Alex Bruce's so, back pocket, um, that's right. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, how we could have dreamed, mate. We would certainly not have been in League One last year if he was still on the books, that's for sure. That's right, that's right. Um, well, look, I'll give my MVP votes for this one and then we can move on to that Millwall game. Um, but I thought it, it was hard to look past Saeed Manesh for the three votes in this one. I thought not only his goal um, to open the scoring, but um, I, I think is a really dangerous and really attacking player for us in that final third. And I think it's interesting because I think Eves offers a lot as a really physical target man. But Saibanesh offers us something a little bit different where he's still willing to drop deep, win the ball back, earn that possession. He doesn't necessarily hold it up as much as Eves does, but I think what he offers is um, a lot more dynamic in a lot of ways. And I think that he showed that not only in the Cardiff game, but we'll talk about that Millwall game as well. Um, and I think, look, I think after this game, there was that that the noise that, yes, you know, we are going to sign him on a permanent deal. And I'm, I'm sure that was probably going to be the case even before this game. But now that he's off the mark, now that he's got his goal, he's had a few starts. Um, I think we, we we like what we see, and I think he um, he looked really good in that Cardiff game. Um, I gave the, the two votes to Coyle. I thought on his return he looked really sharp as well, got the goal, which always helps, um, and, and really good to see him out there. 
getting minutes in the legs and, and hopefully, you know, putting in a really good case for for being our right back next season or, or at least in the squad next season as well. Um, and then I gave the one vote to Greaves. I thought um, defensively we looked really strong. It was, you know, that sort of late la- laps that gave them the, the road back into the game. But other than that, I thought you could kind of throw a blanket over a few of them. Graves, Ingram did well as well. Um, Jones did well as well. So um, I ended up giving it to Graves. But, um, yeah, probably could, a few could have got that one. Yeah, I look, I'd agree with the first two, uh, definitely. Um, and I agree with your point there about Saad Manesh is that it's almost like we have a bit more pace in that final third. Eves is good at holding the ball up, but if you're a defender on Eves, you've basically, he's got his back to you. And if you like, whereas yeah. Saad Manesh would make me a lot more nervous if I was defending him than Eves. And I think that plays really well into what Honeyman or Lewis Potter or even Fleming or Coyle coming up the pitch are trying to do because the defence is under pressure, not necessarily defending, but really having to move as well. So I think you're right. I think Greaves, oh, sorry, not Greaves, Eves is um, is going to find it hard, I think, long-term to push Saad Manesh out of that spot yeah. because I think Saad Manesh is a more diverse player. Yeah, no, that's right. So probably the only one I and, – and it's very interesting because I finally did a bit of work more so on watching off the play, but whatever. Lewis Potter, for a guy who didn't score and didn't really have a huge impact on the game itself, did a lot of running. Um, and I was really impressed with the fact that, especially in the second half, when obviously we became a bit more defensive um, and even that last 20 minutes were just hanging on um, – I was really impressed with a young guy who we know is an out-and-out superstar, but he was prepared to do some really hard running. So I actually gave him and Greaves equal. Yeah, and it's a good chat. It, it was it was an interesting stat that I saw the other day, and I can't remember the, the exact number. I think it's something like five or six players maybe in the top five European leagues have played every minute this season. I think, you know, Ward-Prowse is one of them at Southampton. I think there's a few others outside the Premier League. Um, it's pretty remarkable to consider that I'm 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 – 99% sure. I know that Greaves definitely has, and I'm pretty sure KLP has as well. I'm pretty sure that they've both played every minute of the season for us, um, which to have not one but two players do that is remarkable at that young age to not have, you know, the knocks and the the need for a rest and the rotation and whatever. And it, it's it's great to see how much they've embedded themselves in that starting 11. Um, and as you say, just the ability to keep running for KLP considering the fact that he's not even getting that rest um, is quite remarkable. And it was interesting watching. I mean, I, I, I watched more of him, him running basically from some comments I had from a Middlesbrough supporter saying, look, he can score, but wow, wait, can he run? And yeah. I sort of thought, well, look, we, we know he's talented. He can really take blokes on. He can go around blokes with ease, but especially watching him, I was really impressed with how far he was actually tracking back. Um, yeah. And that's probably a sign of a guy who's really is doing the team stuff at a, and probably has every excuse of all the players to not do as much of that team role. Um, and I think that's why him and Honeyman next to each other in that more advanced midfield slash striker role does work so well because they both run. They both get back. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think that's probably part of the reason that someone like Wilkes is finding it hard to even get a spot on the on the bench in this team because yep. his biggest criticism was probably the fact that he just didn't track back. Yep. I mean, you have a look. Lewis Potter in that last 20 minutes the other night, there must have been at least two times he's back in his own box, almost as a pseudo left back for a bit there, getting past Fleming even. Um, and, you know, Fleming's got a good tank as well. So I was just wrapped that. For a guy that gets all the praises at one end of the pitch, he really made a huge effort. I honestly think if he doesn't run like that, we can see the second. It was yeah. pretty much that that important what he was up to. Um, and especially when Smith came on late on, um, it just became, I think, a bit more important that the ball was bouncing back a bit easier. And the fact that he was tracking so well was awesome. No, definitely. Um a two-one reverse um, to to you know two-one two-one in the uh, other team's favour favour against Millwall um, 
in the second game uh, on the Easter Monday with a couple of changes to the side, Baxter, Elder, Longman coming in to replace Ingram, Fleming and Coyle. Um, I thought it was an interesting time, but logical time to give Baxter a, a, another chance in the side or another um, another go in the side because now that, you know, promote, uh, sorry, survival is, is assured, um, it, it does make sense to start to see the rest of that squad. I was actually... I mean, using that logic, I was a bit surprised you didn't see someone like Bernard coming into the starting 11 perhaps as well. But, um, you know, seeing Elder and Longman back in the side as well as Baxter, it, it was it was a really interesting sort of first half, first 60 minutes of this game because it did feel like while Millwall had their chances, it, it felt like we were certainly, if not equal to them, um, you know, having our own decent chances as well. And Jones having a couple of really close um, shots at goal, which um, if it was anyone else in that position, maybe maybe manages to score the chances. Um, the fact that their first goal came from such a bizarre deflection, I think it was Ryan Longman came out afterwards and said he's never seen anything like it, where you're sort of clearing the ball and you've cleared it, cleared it into the Millwall player's boot, which is then sort of trickled past Baxter in goal. Um, was a really unfortunate way to concede, and, and it seemed as if once we'd conceded, it sort of the, you know the, the the dam all broke, and they got their second goal, and that was pretty much the game. But um, it was a reasonable performance, I thought. I, I thought honestly that after having secured survival, that there might be that sort of drop off that um, we might just sort of sit back and say, well, we, we've sort of done what we need to, and um, we didn't. We we went out and really gave it a go. Um, Millwall fighting for the playoffs as well, so. Um, they certainly had a lot more to play for than us. Um, and then that consolation goal for Reeves at the end as well, um, you know, getting getting his chance to come off the bench, managed to get the goal in a very sort of typical Eves fashion, bundling it past the keeper after a, a couple of deflections, um, but looking looking all right. So, so all round, like it, it's a pretty positive performance despite the scoreline. Look, it was. I, I think probably the hardest thing is, and this is what happens obviously when you're where you are on the table, is that, we just didn't really look like we were going to score a goal. We had lots of possession. We actually moved the ball around the park pretty well. We probably got um, a little bit outbodied at times that maybe if we were really fighting for survival, we might have gone in a bit harder. But I don't actually think we played that badly. I think you're right. I think it was still that final third cutting edge that still hurts us. But I think defensively, I know it's hard to say this when you actually concede two and you have a bit of a bit of hard luck, but the amount of ball that that Millwall seemed to have around the edge of their box to to really end up defending the way we did was actually a, a, a fair effort. But I think it was probably the fact that they just looked like we were a little bit second to the ball when it really mattered. And I, I don't think passing wise, possession wise, we had a problem. I think it's still the fact that we just don't create enough in that final third that means we can give. The defender's a bit of a break as well, if you like. I mean, I yeah. don't know how many shots we had for the match, but Millwall would have had probably three times what we had shots-wise, which means that they're in our our defensive third a lot more than we're in theirs. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I was just going to look up uh, what the actual stats were on that one. Um, shots-wise, when this loads... It'll load in a second. It doesn't mean that Millwall's quality was there, but they had a lot more than us, I'm sure of it. Yeah, 17 shots to nine, eight on target yeah. to four. So du- double the on-target shots. And and to be honest, and, and it's sort of um, preluding my MVP votes for this one, but I thought Baxter was terrific in goal with some of the saves that he made. There was there was one in particular, I think it was reasonably late on, where he's almost already diving, the ball's then deflected, and he still gets a palm up to, to yeah. push it wide. Um, yeah, where it's a really weird one. It's sort of like last season with Coyle and Emmanuel at right back. You look at Ingram and um, Baxter and goal, and you think they're both strong keepers, and they both have their really positive aspects. But you can't play two keepers in a game. And yeah. my gut probably tells me, as harsh as it will be, that because Ingram's out of contract, I almost feel like we're just going to let Ingram go because I. Uh, and look, maybe maybe not. Maybe we'll maybe we'll re-sign Ingram, we'll sign Baxter, and then we'll still have these two next season competing in goal. But my gut sort of says if we're doing this big sort of turnover of the squad, if we're going to make a call on which keeper we want to go with, we might end up going with Baxter and and then say we'll we'll let Ingram go and and bring Cartwright through. I, I don't know, but it's going to be a really tough and interesting off season in terms of what we do with the squad. 
Look, it is, and, and I suppose the interesting thing as well, mate, without knowing the, the data, there could be, you know, quite a few keepers out of contract that we could pick up on a free yeah. that fit the bill straight away anyway. I mean, plus we're now talking more internationally than we ever have as far as players are concerned. There, there could very well be somewhere already in that scouting arrangements where they've got their eye on a keeper that could come in and be a competitive one or two anyway. But look, I'm the same with you. I can't fault either of them, I think, especially considering um, even like you said, Baxter the other night, it could have been 4-1, really. I'm not saying that's a good result because it's not, but Baxter did a great job. And yeah, he's still a young guy as far as keepers are concerned. He's only um, 23. I, I, I thought yeah. he was 28, 29 from the look of him. He looks a lot older than he is, but he's only 23, which I just found remarkable. Well, I remember when we got him, I don't, I, I can't remember how old he was, but I remember when we first got him, I thought, oh, yeah, he's, he's one of these guys that could end up going back to his parent club at some stage because he's the understudy. Um, but, but as far as I'm concerned, mate, either one of them, if we end up with either one of them, that's great. It's probably yeah. more about contractually, like you said, we've just got to make sure that whatever we do, if we don't keep both, which is looking unlikely, um, that we don't compromise just on another youth keeper, that we genuinely go out there and say we need someone who's vying for 20 games plus as a number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree to an extent. I do think Cartwright, because I think he played two games for us or maybe one and a half yeah. games for us, Looked reasonable, and maybe you're right. Yep. Maybe maybe it's sort of next season is he goes out on loan for a season in League One or something and gets a proper season of of professional football before we consider trusting him as a number two. But I don't feel as uncomfortable if he was to be our number two as I would have at the start of this season. I think he's shown in those couple of games that he's actually developing quite well. Um, but I, I totally get your point. You know, if we're if we're looking to be that side challenging for promotion rather than that mid-table side, you need two really strong keepers. And you look at QPR, and and I think they've had three or four keepers now because they've had to go out mm. into the emergency loans because they've had a few issues. Because they had David Marshall and um, somebody else both get injured or, or ill. <clears throat> so you look at you look at those sorts of sides, and you think actually you do probably need um, a pretty decent depth all around the pitch. So. Um, I certainly agree on in that sense as well. Um, and I mean, realistically, mate, I don't think Baxter's going anywhere in a hurry. I think he's. Did, did we get him from Tottenham or Chelsea? Uh, Chelsea, or? Chelsea, yeah. Right. So I think he and I think they were saying so him, him, um, Saeed Manesh and Bernard all have options in their contracts so that we can sign them for a set fee. Um, I think it was forced that we don't have the option for. If I'm remembering correctly, so it does. Okay. It's it's interesting because you know, a year ago you would have thought, oh, we've got these options, but we're not. We're never going to take them up. Like I remember when we had um, Josh Bowler from Everton, and you think, oh, well, we're not actually going to take that up. It's you know out of our yes. price range. But with these guys, and now with the owner in 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 the sort of mindset that he is of, well, you know, if this is the player we want. You know, money's no object, sort of thing. Um, we may yeah. well end up signing Bernard and um, and Baxter. So if your money's on the table right now, who do you sign, Baxter or Ingram? I say Baxter, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's no slight on Ingram. I think Ingram's a really good keeper. He's a really good shot stopper. Um, but I think the way that the game's played these days and the way that Shotter seems to want to play um, our football, Baxter's Baxter, Baxter's um, delivery and um, and uh, ball control is so much better than Ingram's. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's the more um, creative goalkeeper in that sense. And I think it showed at sort of the end of last year when Baxter came into the side and we did go on that winning run and we were conceding a lot less goals that Baxter just has that uh, stronger influence over the defence as well, um, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think all kind of contributes to that. And, yeah, it's a tough one. I think in a perfect world I'd keep both of them and just let them compete next season as well. But I get the sense that it's going to be one or the other. How about look, you? That could be the average. Well, I know I'd say Baxter too. And it's not, look, Ingram's great. And if we're saying next year we want to consolidate and we want to have, uh, well, let's say pessimistically, we don't want to be in the relegation zone. We'd want to be five 
five, six spots up from that, then Ingram will do a great job. But realistically, we've got to get in the top half. That's yeah. our aim for next year. And we really need that to be an evolving growth of from the back to the forwards of increasing what we've got at our disposal. And at the moment, like you say, we're splitting hairs over, over Baxter and Ingram, which really means there's no standout. So one of them's got to go because we need yeah. a standout. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. And then you can um, still keep Cartwright as a really good option for number three. Um, and like you said, send him out on loan with some experience that could really, yeah, work well. No, that's right. Um, well, grab your MVP votes for this one and then we can move on to some of that discussion about uh, potential transfers. Well, seeing we've signed Baxter on a 10-year deal, I'll give him <laughs> uh, equal, thir- uh, equal three votes. Uh, but I- I'm going to be a bit boring and I'm going to give um, Honeyman two votes. And at the moment, I can't really split a third. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I went back to the three as well. I think it's it's sort of interesting that it's a two two one loss, and we've still gone for the uh, the goalkeeper for the maximum votes. Mm. But as we sort of said, I think he was terrific in this one. Um, I've gone Smallwood for the two votes. I thought he had a really good good game as well in midfield. Um, really energetic, and I I think like he's he's really proven me wrong this season. I, I thought he was really good last season in, the, in League One, but I just didn't think he had it in in him to step up to the championship, and he's um certainly done that so he, he's another one that's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the off season because i think he's out of contract as well um whether we keep him as a sort of experienced head in the squad or um or i don't know if he'd even be selling him or just releasing him i think if he's out of contract but well how uh, old one, is he oh, it's gonna be 30 31 i reckon let's have a look um because yeah he, he's um he, he's been around a bit um um, yeah, he, he's got to be. He's got to be around that. Um, okay. Because I always get is? these guys wrong. I always think that they're either younger or older than they actually are. Because um, he was, he was, he was Blackburn, and then got released um, after a couple of injuries, which is when we picked him up for free. Uh, here we go. So he's yeah, he's thirty one. Um, okay. So he, he's not. He's not particularly old he's not 35 36 sort of territory he, he's still got a couple of pretty decent years left in him um but it's just whether we look at that and say if we're wanting to evolve the squad develop the squad and turn over the um personnel i mean personally my 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 preference would be you you kind of um you scrap the bench so you scrap you know your andy cannon your monker your mm-hmm. williams your um all those, you know, Huddleston, unfortunately, those sorts of guys mm-hmm. that aren't even Wilkes as well, who aren't even getting a look in in the starting 11. Then you improve on the starting 11. So you'd bring in one of the guys that we're going to talk about in a second, you know, potentially Adama Traore, those sorts of guys to, to to basically improve your 11. And then you push like your Smallwood and stuff down to the bench. So they're still actually yep. in the in the squad, but you're sort of improving your 11. You're improving your depth by bringing those first 11 players down to your bench, but you're still keeping them. And that's why I'd be yep. quite happy to keep Ingram as well, but um, we'll see what happens. And then, and then my one my one vote was Honeyman as well. I thought I thought he was terrific yeah. as well. Um, that's a yeah. good point yeah. about Smallwood because he, although he's been at bigger clubs and he's he's done a job, even last year in a year that we won the title, um, and I know he had some injuries, but he still missed a few games. So even when we yeah. were running hot in a lower league, he still wasn't first picked. Yeah, I mean that that run in, I think Slater basically won his place off him for the yeah. last month of the season, I think. So, I mean, although okay, it's a different year and different season and different manager, I still liken that to the fact. Well, there's been times in the last two years where he hasn't been one of the first on the team sheet, um, and we really are after a player that's going to be the first on the team sheet. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's going to be a really interesting summer because I think. Um, Ajun comes across as a very nice, jovial, sort of media-friendly, um, PR, you know, focused sort of guy. But you look at what he what he did with Grant McCann, and you think if he was the nicest guy in the world and so lovely and everything else, McCann would probably still be here. 
because he came in yeah. when McCann had won two or three games in a row and it would it'd be easy for him to just say, oh, look, you know, he's doing well. The fans are pretty happy. Let's keep him around. But he, but he went out, he got Shotter in, he sacked McCann, he explained it, which was really great. Um, and he showed he's got that sort of ruthlessness when it matters and that he's going to make those tough decisions. Um, so I can't help that. And, and that's sort of in the back of my mind. I can't help but think there's a few of these players where, you know, maybe a nicer owner and a nicer manager would go, oh, you know, look, they've done this, they've done that, let's keep them around. Huddleston, oh, yeah, we'll give him, a, him him that second year because he's a club legend, all that sort of thing. Where I think they'll probably say, we want to be in the Premier League. We need to make a yeah. squad. We need to build a squad that can challenge for promotion. We need to make these tough decisions and and make that, make those changes. Oh, I agree, mate. I mean, look, like we were just saying before, the key thing with all of this at, at the moment is that if you're not really pushing for first team, you know, first names on the team sheet, then you you are expendable. Um, and we love him, you know, we we all love him for what he's done in the past, not necessarily what he's doing now. So, I mean, how many games has he actually played this year? Would it be six? Oh, no, I'm talking about Huddleston. Oh, Huddleston. Oh, yeah, 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 five or six, I think. Yeah. So, really, he can't do it this year, which means he's not about to. Yeah, turn back the right. clock and do it a lot more next year. So he's again, he's one of those ones that you shuffle further down the list. But I would imagine that he still isn't the cheapest player on our books. So, and and look, maybe worth... yeah, and maybe you say to Two. him whether he wants to move into coaching and 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 get him in as a midfield coach or something like that. Um, he, he's still a great head to have around the club, but yeah, probably best of his playing days are behind him. And maybe he wants to continue with a League One club or a promoted club into the championship or, or maybe he's sort of read the writing writing on the wall because he didn't play last season I don't think because of COVID and, and he hasn't really played this season so maybe he just you know calls time yeah I we'll think he'll probably play but I don't think it'll be with us yeah no definitely um yeah just a little bit of off-field um discussion uh transfer rumors um are you know once once survival was mathematically assured, I thought we might start to see contract renewals, but instead we've started to see maybe some more concrete uh, player transfer transfers in um, being discussed. Um, there's a Turkish journalist who first broke the story about Shota Avladza joining the club. I think he also broke the story on um, Saeed Manesh joining. So has a has a reasonable reputation, a reasonable hit rate with, with stories around City um, and a name that's been sort of floated for a few weeks now. Adama Traore, no, not the Wolves Adama Traore, no, not the Melbourne Victory Adama Traore. There, there seems to be a lot of Adama Traores out there. but uh, There's a few. Yeah. I think with this one, I actually heard a, a story that he joined a club where there was already an Adama Traore, and I'm, I think they were born in the same year. So he actually had to be called Adama Traore 2 so that they could differentiate between them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's just so many of them. Um, wow. But yeah, so he... So he, he's he's currently, or he has most recently played with um, Hatay Spor in um, Turkey. I think it's the club with Balotelli and uh, someone else playing um, up forward for them. Um, only managed one goal and nine assists, which considering he's, he's supposedly a creative midfielder, uh, probably isn't the greatest strike rate. Um, but, you know, he's a Mali international. He was at the most recent AFCON. I think they got to the quarterfinals or, or something like that, or, or the knockouts at least. Um, so has a, has a reasonable pedigree. And we're, we'd be supposedly signing him on a free transfer. Um, I think they've sort of, they've claimed that it's it's agreed. Shotter, when he got asked by Burns, he sort of batted it away. But I think there's probably a little bit of, you know, season still going. We're not going to talk about players just yet. Um, but it's sounding reasonably likely. It's not one of those sort of, you know, pluck a name out of a hat and make an article about it sort of um, things. So without knowing a whole lot about the player, I mean, you know, central midfield player, which we seem to be signing a lot of these days, but um, theoretically improves on what we have, seems to be a good start to business. Well, look, the fact that you get someone at the right age as well, um, you know, being on a free, that's obviously the key side of it. Um Look, don't know enough about him, but his pedigree yeah. seems to be reasonable. You know, he's been at some big clubs, um, not for long, but he has been at, you know, a couple of I think, big yeah, European I think clubs. Monaco paid 16 million euros for him or something at one point. Wow, so, okay. Yeah. Well, I know he was at Lille and... Um, uh, Lens, I think. the other one? 
Yeah, something like that. So he's, yeah. he's 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 good enough in their eyes to have a run. The thing that's going to be the most interesting is, like you said, it's another midfielder. Yeah. Um, and without really knowing what this guy's like, is he a real goal-scoring midfielder? Because that's realistically what we're probably after rather than just another midfielder. Yeah. Um, but look, the fact that he's a, he's a free, really, there's a bit of wage risk and that's it. That's probably what we should be looking towards. Um you just hope that whoever's made the call on him, if it is going to happen, really does, you know, or has followed him pretty extensively. It's not just, a, oh, yeah, this could be a good option. It's someone that we really want. That's right, yeah. And, look, I think if we sort of replicate that January window where we, you know, maybe you splash out on the forward, as I think Ajun has said, you bring yeah. in, you know, you convert a couple of loans into permanence in Baxter, potentially just Baxter, to be honest, um, mm. And then you and you pick out these sorts of free transfers, but you know a higher quality player than we have, then it's a reasonably low low risk window where you can actually start to build a pretty reasonable squad. Where um, I, I'm quite happy with that model because I think one of my concerns when Ajun first took over was not wanting to see us become unsustainable because for all of that the hate and the dislike of the Alums, um, quite rightly too we were never financially in danger of, of, you know, going insolvent the way that Derby have been this season. And you look at some of the other clubs in the championship as well, you look, you know, Birmingham's and, um, and, and clubs and Reading's and stuff like that. And Stoke, um, I'm quite happy to be a bit more sustainable than, than that. So I'm happy to sort of push the boat out on these bigger signings. But as you say, the biggest risk is just the wages. There's no, you know, 12 million transfer fee attached or anything like that. And, and look, let's face it, if 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 we look back, I know we joked about Salah at the start, so I'm not putting this guy anywhere near that category, but you've got to take an opportunity sometimes and take a little bit of a risk on, yeah. on some of these players. I mean, I still remember when Maguire was signed by Steve Bruce. I mean, he basically signed him on the back of watching him in one game against us yeah. um, in the FA Cup semi. And... At that time, you probably would have thought, oh, he's a big lumbering lad. Look, he might be okay, but he's at Sheffield. He's a division below us and all these sorts of things. And then look what happens. I mean, these guys don't just fall out of the sky. You've got to go looking for them. And if he is someone that's hardworking as well, the key thing's got to be hardworking. We're in the championship, long season, a lot of midweek games. You need guys like that's why I was saying before I was so impressed with Lewis Potter the other night was – still running when he didn't sort of have to. That's what we want to see. So if this guy's got a good work ethic, it will go a long way. Yeah, interesting um, interesting example with Maguire. They're considering the current United perception of him, <laughs> which, I, which I disagree with, but um, it, it is it is a bit of a funny one at the moment. But, uh, yeah, look, look, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I don't know if you saw, they, were, they did the combined Liverpool-United 11 after the game and it was just Liverpool's 11. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. I saw the the usual gag about yeah. can um, we get the referee to give us a ball because Liverpool are playing with their own and yeah, all those sorts right. of gags going around. So um, yeah, no, well we still have a soft spot for Maguire. Just that's right. Not in public. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on then. So um, what we've been doing the last couple of weeks is is we we've kind of run out of ideas for that uh, the old game that we used to play where we'd say name three you know, left backs or anything like that. So what we're doing instead is we're doing a who am I quiz where I'll give you a series of clues. Um, the first clue will be the number of appearances and goals that the player has scored for us. The second will be the year that they joined and the year they departed, if they departed. Then I'll give you their nationality and position. And then finally, if you're still struggling, I can give you their initials and that should probably solve it for you. Um, <laughs> Fair sort enough. Of a, so, so, sort of a softball final clue. But I think Dan and Logan so far have managed to get it before that final clue. So um, so pressure's on to, to get okay. it before then. Now, for yeah. them, I've been, I've been kind and gone players in the last 10 years. But because I know that you've got a bit more knowledge behind you, it's a very well-known player, but they do... They do um, uh, they did represent City a little bit before the last ten years, so that that actually might be a help for you. I I, I don't know. Is that we'll, a we'll is that a polite way of saying I'm old? <laughs> <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought it's a more accessible player for perhaps some of our older Thanks, listeners. Um, I like that mate. one that the one that you might be able to help with as well. So the first you mean those is, that have still got highlights packages on VHS. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so the first clue is I made 
218 league appearances for City and scored oh, wow. 69 goals. Shivers. Okay. Um, so do you want me to guess along the way here? Or... Oh yeah, yeah. You can you can make guesses along the okay. way, and and then I'll and then if it's wrong, I'll give you the next clue. It's not Stuart Elliott. No, it's not Stuart. That's a good guess, but no, it's not Stuart Elliott. Okay. So I, I originally signed for City in 1991, but my final appearance for City came in 2009. Dino. Bingo. Well done. I thought I, I was just I trying thought... to think, mate. Well, to be honest, mate, the 90s was pretty lean for goal scorers. Yeah. So, um, or people that stayed at the club for longer than two seasons. So, um, yeah, that would have to be the great man himself. The great man himself, indeed. Yeah, look, I, I thought that that clue would be a good... A bit would, too would much. Sort of give it away, <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh, it, I was thinking whether I'd just give you his second spell, but considering that the number of goals scored, I thought that would give it away anyway. But, yeah, no, it's it's a good get. Um, it's uh, yeah, pretty remarkable. Six, 69 goals, 218 appearances. You think, I think... Bowen's the only one I can think has come close to that in recent years because I think he got about 50 goals for us. And I remember looking at it at the time and thinking, look, if he stays with us for another, you know, six months, 12 months, he could approach that. But um, we just haven't had a player of that calibre come through the doors much recently. No, you do forget. I mean, I, I was one of those ones that I am old enough to remember him from his first stint. Um, but... It's still, it's remarkable the way he came back. I mean, I still remember his first game. It might have been his first game back or his second game back. We had Leeds at home. And it was just like it meant the world to him to even be there. Um, and that whole, yeah. even the crowd, the way that whole game kicked off was just amazing. So um, oh, that was awesome. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so so we're going to try and do that a bit more next season as well. And I think, and obviously, I'll, I'll pick some more challenging players as we go. I, I sort of, I, I need to, I need to um, get a sense of difficulty levels before. I don't want to sort of stump people. So the the biggest the biggest challenge was I think Logan got Camel Grzyki last week, which was um, a challenging one because um, normally I'd also give the nationality, but I left that out for the for, for that one because I thought, oh, if I tell you he's Polish, then then you'll get him, but you yeah, I'll, try and, I'll try and find the right right difficulty level to to give people a bit of bit of a challenge, but nothing too challenging, just to get them thinking. But uh, that, awesome, yeah, did, that was cool. Did uh, did Dino when he rejoined? Was that the same time as Barmby, or was that just before or just after? Uh, oh, as a guess, I, I would have thought it was Dino first, but I I don't actually hundred percent know, mate. Because because that was that was just before my time, but I can imagine that having you know Dino coming back to the club, but then Barnby as well as just a Hullborn player who you know probably the the best player at the time that we'd really produced. He's played for you know Liverpool, Everton, Tottenham, all those sorts of clubs. Coming back to the club as well in League One um, would have been just like an awesome couple of years to have to have those sorts of players just joining and and, and running around for City. Well, mate, the good thing for me was I didn't believe it. Like I knew when, <laughs> when, when when Dino, to give you some idea, when Dino was going to sign, we all knew the wages were massive. So this whole debate about whether we could even afford him and to, to come to our club was still pretty much, you know, we knew he'd want to come. There was no doubt about that. But when the first discussion ever came um, about Dino actually coming back to us, it was like we can't afford him. We can't afford him. Yeah. We can't afford him. I remember with Barmby, though, when Barbie first, um, no, Barbie must have been first, mate. He must have been yeah. first because um, when Barbie first came back to us, there was some talk, especially a couple, against a couple of my Everton mates, that um, he's he's a perfect fit for us because he's not interested in the money and he just wants to play. And you know, whereas I think with Dino, there was a perception that as much as he loved the club. The fact that he did leave for bigger Does pastures he... meant that coming back to it, we were still going to have to pay appropriately yeah. for him, you know? Because he was at Bradford in the Premier League or something at the time, I think. Oh, yeah, mate. Remember, yeah. Still scored one of the best. I still remember that white kit very well. He scored a cracking goal at Bradford in one of his first seasons there. Yeah. Um, and he was he was someone, mate, that you knew 
most people in that era knew who he was, wouldn't have known he was from Hull. Most of them right. thought he was Scottish because he was up playing at Aberdeen and places like that. But he yeah, he was class. I mean, we know that anyway, but he, did, he still did it at Premier League level as well. Absolutely. Um, cool. Okay, well, well, we'll just quickly wrap things up with um, we've got the Reading game on the weekend. Um, we sort of said last week these games have, have lost a little bit of meaning now that we're safe. Um, I guess the only sort of motivation is to try and finish as high as we can. Um, you know, there's the motivation, I guess, if we beat Reading, it keeps the relegation fight interesting for those sides down there. Maybe, maybe you know, McCann can pull Posh out of it in some sort of remarkable way. Um, changes to the side, any any sort of players in the squad you'd like to get a look at? Maybe sort of, as I was saying earlier, maybe Bernard comes back in, um, which would be perfect to troll Reading considering his performance against them last time, where I think there was two or three instances where he could have given away a penalty. Um yeah, maybe maybe Bernard gets a look in. Maybe you know, just rotate a little bit, get a get a good sense of what the squad looks like before we make any decisions in the summer. But yeah, I don't know. Oh, look, I think Bernard's a good call. I mean, it depends if the manager really wants the three points or wants to have a good look. But uh, I sort of, uh, you know, like the fact that we can have a good look at a couple of blokes. I mean, Bernard's a guy that when we first when he first came, we were a bit excited and we've seen some promise there. But he's probably been lucky in a way that Greaves and um, uh, Jones, I guess, and and McLaughlin, McLaughlin, they've all shown that they're really, let's say, three of our best four defenders. So Bernard hasn't been held in that spot. But I think we all agree that he could be. He's definitely got something about him that shows he could be one of these guys that just with that little bit more experience and a couple of years and bit more maturity he could easily end up being someone that plays as a center half in in um in the premier league oh yeah so, i mean you look at you you look at tamori and some of the other guys that we've had on loan who at the time you know people were a bit divided on people weren't uh weren't too sure on and i think tamori is now playing in in um in italy with is it i think it's ac milan you've got um oh what's his name the right back that we had the same season um um, Ola Aina, who's playing at Roma, yeah. um, being linked to yeah. the Premier League. So you see these guys and you think, oh, they didn't look all that much with us and, and they've sort of developed in that way. So, And he could certainly be another one. I think I think West Ham are looking at signing him as well. So um, could be one quite in demand. But, you know, as I, I sort of said earlier, I mean, you know, probably Bax is the only loanee that I'm dead keen on signing. I think yes. Bernard, take it or leave it. I think if we signed him, that'd be great. As you say, I think he could develop into a great player. But... Uh, not as not as sort of pressing as Baxter, I think. No, I look. I think Baxter. The best way to probably sum it up is Baxter is a good quality championship keeper already, who could go yeah. bigger and better. Whereas Bernard isn't set at championship level yet. Uh, yeah, but very well could be within a year. He very well could be because he's. I think he'd, he'd only be. He's got to be under twenty five. Oh, so yeah, no, he definitely yeah, I, think hasn't, I think he's 22 or something, 22, 23, yeah. yeah. So he definitely hasn't peaked. Um, and again, I mean, depending on what wage bill he's on. Is he from Man U? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That depends what we can agree to there, I suppose. I, I personally would sign him because I think that there's more upside than downside with him. We know what we can already get from him. So if he is one of these backup options next year, it gives us the ability to push on and maybe sign another spot on the list that's going to be more productive in the forward third. Um, but, yeah, I, you definitely need to have a crack. And I think probably at the moment the only thing I'd like to do is really just have a real go. You know, yeah. we, we did look at times against um, uh, Bell? Cardiff. No, Cardiff, just in yeah. the Cardiff game. Yeah, well, actually, look, it's a good, good synopsis of both. Cardiff, we looked like we were a team that wanted to score. Millwall, we look like we were a team that wanted to defend. Yeah. And it could have been tired. It could have been legs. The formation wasn't any different. A couple of changes, that's fine. But I'd like to see us say, do you know what? We've got some guys in our team that are out and out, really solid passes of the ball, really top-notch quality as far as moving the ball up the park. We want to see more of it. Coyle's goal is a prime example. Yeah. No, definitely. And and I think I sort of mentioned him earlier, but even someone like a Randall Williams, who I think is back to fitness now, if we're going to make a decision on these guys in the summer, Moncur as well, 
um, give them that chance. Give them that. Give them that chance. Where you say, go out there and prove that you should be part of this squad next season. And look, if they flop and they don't do very well, then you don't feel as poor or you don't feel as bad, kind of getting rid of them in the summer than you would if you didn't give them that chance and you just sort of made the call because, well, they're not in the squad, so let's just get rid of them. Give them the chance in a game that doesn't mean anything anyway um, and see what they can do. Yeah, look, I agree. And, and I mean, I know there's been injuries and whatever. Williams is a prime example, mate. If we can get him on the park to have a look because we don't really know. Yeah, I mean, he looked good. Was it the FA Cup game against Everton or it was one of those game, game around that time where I thought he looked really good? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. So yeah. he's, he's definitely got the touch. Yeah. But again, I suppose the only thing with him is is that uh, he's been around a bit longer than some of the other guys, I think. He's been yeah. at a few different clubs anyway. So I suppose he hasn't taken it to the, to, you know, by the horns like we might have thought. I know injuries have played a part. But yeah, he, again, he is another guy. So that, he's a bit, yeah, he's a bit yeah. older. So is he really going to push us up a table next year? Uh, jury's out. So again, it's yeah. wages, mate. The wages, like you said, we've got to be prudent on everything here. We've got to keep everything within, you know, if we don't buy players, great, but the wage bill still can't get out of hand because we're not buying players. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, look, I, I think I think it's a game that's pretty impossible to call either way. I think Reading fighting for their survival, they'll want the three points just to secure that. Um, I'm pretty sure a win in any of their games secures survival, so they'll be they'll be gunning for that. We we don't have that pressure. You know, sometimes not having that pressure means you actually get, you know, monkeys off the back. You can kind of actually play with a bit of freedom and, and do well, but sometimes you just kind of sit back and you don't actually care. As, as you said, that Millwall game, we just looked like we wanted to defend. So, look, I hope we can get the three points in this one, but um, ultimately, you know, we, we, we've done our job. We've secured survival, and um, I guess we start to, to look ahead to the summer. Yeah, that's it. A couple of goals. That's what we're after. A couple of goals. Couple just, of goals yeah, nice. us. just try and get that goal difference. You know, the one thing I think if we're looking at it, we might have been talking about it a few weeks back, but in that bottom eight or nine teams, we've actually got a reasonable goal difference. I mean, Derby's a different situation. Yeah. But it would be nice to say, well, hang on a minute. You know, defensively, we've been actually top half this year. Yeah. It's the goals, you know, four that's been our problem. So we've just got to try and bang a few in. No, that's right. Absolutely. So hopefully we do bang a few in um, and we'll see how that one goes over the weekend. But thank you for joining me, Brad. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. And thanks everyone for listening in. If you've liked the episode, as always, hit the thumbs up, share the video around, leave a comment on what you thought of these games and what you thought of uh, the discussion points that we've had in this episode today. Did you get the player before Brad? Perhaps. Um, but uh, otherwise, until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back, cause you're...